0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. The title of my message today is, Have You Seen the Messiah? Okay, have you seen the Messiah? Yesterday is known as Panic Saturday. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but I was out on Panic Saturday. So. Supposedly, uh, Panic Saturday generates more revenue than Black Friday. 150 million people were out yesterday shopping. Okay. If you were if you were out yesterday shopping, raise your hand. Okay. So I admit I am a last minute panic shopper. Usually it's Christmas Eve. Uh, so I was actually I'm doing better. I was early this year. So so panic. Panic Saturday, so fortunately I went out early and the stores weren't too bad. Uh, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. Um, but as it, the day wore on, I mean, it, it's packed out there. And just just driving around, you just you just see. I mean, the aisles, I mean, they're just filled with stuff. And there's just people all over the place. And, you know, everyone wants to get their Christmas stuff in order, right? Because we have... We're, we're entertaining people. We're having people over. We're, having, we're doing meals and all kinds of good, good Christmas things. But this hustle and bustle um, can, can wear on us. right? And it can detract from the focus, of course, of the real reason for the season, which is to exalt Jesus Christ as we celebrate His birth. So just an observation as I was running out yesterday. Um, I was in a convenience store. I'd taken my son uh, to practice driving in a parking lot. I had a crash helmet on.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> uh, so we drove around the parking lot. He actually did okay. And so afterwards, he was kind of all happy with himself. And he said, Dad, let's get some ice cream. Because uh, the convenience store is right there next to this parking lot. I said, okay. So I took him up to get some ice cream. And as we walked in... and I was talking to the uh, the cashier. I looked at her and I said, "You ready for Christmas?" And she looked kind of down and sad, and and she said, "Man, I am so stressed out." And so you know, I kind of she shared a little bit, and I sympathized with her, but I was able to tell her, you know, set her focus back on Jesus, which is the reason for this season. So I think I think we need. You know, you've heard of attitude adjustments. It's kind of like we, we just need to focus our mind sometimes because we, we get so uh, tunnel vision on all these preparations. We're like Martha, right? And uh, so that's the purpose of my message today is to like laser focus on Christ. That's that's my job today. Okay, so I want to answer a question first. I want to... Uh, Answer the question, why do we need the Messiah? Well, part I just gave you part of the answer is because we get so cluttered in our day-to-day life that we lose sight of them. That's one reason we need them. But I want to go back to the beginning. You guys are all familiar with the fall of Adam and Eve, right? So they disobeyed God. They ate from the wrong tree. And that brought sin and death into the world. It brought it into the mosquito. It brought it into... I mean, the heavens, the earth, it brought it into people. And, of course, that's messed everything up since then. And so, you know, we have this this fall, this sin nature now. And a lot of times when I witness to people, people don't understand how sin can be passed from person to person. So I just want to share this illustration with you um, so you can use this when you talk to people. So part of my message today is, I really want you in the next couple of days, especially if you're going out doing this last minute shopping thing, I want you to ask these cashiers or waitresses or waiters, say, are you ready for Christmas? Okay? But I'm giving you some things to be ready to answer them. But the way I answer this is, you know, how can sin be passed from person to person? I just give an illustration in the natural. I'll say, you know, can you imagine a woman that's drunk and then gives birth to a baby? Well, that alcohol is passed into the baby's bloodstream. So the baby is born drunk, right? I mean, and then I, I, I looked up uh, if a mother's been on heroin for a while and the mother has a child, that baby is born needing uh, help to get off of the withdrawal symptoms. And so it's kind of a natural picture of how. Like sin like, I'm sorry, like disease is passed from mother to child. So sin is kind of like a spiritual cancer, and that's how I explain it. So every child is born from the very first parents all the way through history, that spiritual cancer is passed from mother to child, mother to child, mother to child. So we're born with a sin nature. Well, and there's a problem with that, is because Paul said in Ephesians that we're objects of wrath. And Jesus, equally as blunt, he, he called His fellow Jews evil. He said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts... Remember when He said that? He said, If you being evil... I mean, Jesus calling people evil? Well, that's because we're born with a sin nature. And so our nature is to do evil things. And so people need to know Non-Christians need to know that they're evil. And if you don't tell them that they're evil and what the Bible says, how will they know? Isn't that weird telling someone they're evil? <laughs> now, you don't have to say it in that way. Um, I mean, you just all you have to do is, is mention that God has a law. You know, we shouldn't cheat. We shouldn't steal. We shouldn't commit adultery and murder. And that's enough to show somebody that something ain't right in their heart. Okay, um, but that's what's going on: is that we need a Messiah. We need. Now, I thought of this. You guys aren't going to be able to imagine this, and I'm not either. Uh, but pretend you never heard anything about Christian message. Nothing. Nothing at all about it. And then I told you this story about the fall. They, there was this. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, God created them. He gave them this rule not to eat from the tree. They disobeyed. And sin and death came into the world. But see, God is holy. He's righteous. And He can't be in fellowship with sinners. So what would you do if you were God to reconcile or restore fellowship? Now, pretend you knew nothing about the Christian message. I, would, I bet if I asked you all to write a paragraph or, or share that with me, the answer would just be completely wild and crazy. Um, and actually, because we're so familiar with it, when we tell people that have never heard the Gospel before, it does sound wild and crazy. What was God's plan? Well, He's going to incarnate Himself and send His Son to earth to become a man. It's like, remember that illustration? You create these little clay figures Right? You're God now. You create the little clay figures. You breathe on them. They sin against you. You say, okay, I'm going to become a clay figure and hang out with them. And I'm going to go to a cross and die and pay their, pay their price for their sins that they couldn't pay. So it's, it's a really bizarre plan. To us it's not strange because we've been in, in Christianity for so long, but it's a really bizarre plan. Um, but that's what God did. God wanted to reveal Jesus Christ Through human history to reconcile men and women back to himself. Okay. So, today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how he revealed his son through history. Okay. So, there's kind of three groups I want to touch on. We got the Old Testament group, right, before the cross. Then we have those people that were born uh, when Jesus was alive. And then we have the people in the church age. Okay, so I want to share some testimonies with you of people from all three of those groups that have caught a glimpse of the Messiah. In other words, how is God the Father introducing His Son to the human race? Right? Isn't that that's what He wanted to do? Okay. So, we're gonna, I, I'm going to have some people share with you here. I've never done this before, so hang with me. <laughs> All right, so I have a woman and she's going to share her testimony with you about uh, how God showed her, uh, gave her a preview or I guess a sneak peek of the coming Messiah. Hello, my name is Eve. I'm the mother of all living. Now, you guys probably know me because I was the one deceived by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And then when I was deceived, I ate... From the tree that I shouldn 't have, I gave some to Adam, and he ate too, and uh, I can honestly say, we really, really blew it. I mean, once we ate, we realized the consequences of what we did. I mean sin and death entered the world, and, and we felt different. I mean, emotionally and physically, before I mean it was, it was just like we were walking around euphoric and, and just full of joy, and I mean, God was with us in the garden. And, and I, we didn't know, I didn't know what pain was. And I didn't know this, um, this emotion that you guys call fear. I, I never felt that before. And, and shame and guilt, all these things, I, I knew, we didn't know what they were. And they all of a sudden just like kind of settled on us like a blanket. And it was really terrible. And then the same serpent that tempted us, he came back to me and he started whispering things in my ear. He said something like, You disobeyed God. You really blew it. Um, God doesn't love you anymore. Uh, God, I mean, what did you just do? Look what you did. Uh, You should just feel terrible about yourself. And I did. I I started to feel bad. I started to feel guilt and all the shame for what I did. And I just want to say to you guys, I am so sorry for what I did. I really am. That, That was just terrible. And as I was beating myself up, this serpent was telling me I just needed to take my life and just put myself out of my own misery. But God was merciful. And God came in. And God showed me that I could be forgiven. And He showed me I could be forgiven through an animal sacrifice. Isn't that cool? I believed what God said. We both believed. And we felt this forgiveness. And we felt God's peace. And then God did a really cool thing. He took the animal skins and even made clothes for us so we didn't feel that that sense of nakedness and shame anymore. So, I'm so thankful for what God did. And then God said something to the serpent. And I'm going to read you what He said. This is really cool. Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. I was so thankful when I heard God curse that serpent. It was just an amazing thing to me. And God said something amazing. He said, your seed. And all of a sudden I realized I was going to have a future child who was going to crush the head of this serpent. My future child. The one that you now are gazing upon in the manger. That was my child. And that child was going to come. That child was going to be born. That child was going to go to a cross. That child was going to be put in a grave. That child was going to rise from the dead, defeating death, defeating the grave, and defeating the power of the enemy and crushing the head of Satan. Do you see that? So I truly, Jesus is my greatest son, and I can't wait until the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Well, thank you, Eve. <laughs> I have a man. He, uh, another guy. He wants to share his glimpse of the coming Messiah. Hello, my name is Job. Yes, I'm the guy as in the patience of Job that you read about in the book of James. That's me. I just want to tell you how I see the baby Jesus. You know, Eve saw this baby as a devil crusher. Well, I do too. In fact, I had my own deadly entanglement with this devil. Um, Let me just give you a background. I was the richest person probably in the known world at that time. I mean, I had... Servants galore. I had incredible fields and flocks and herds. I had a huge family. Um, I had good health. And I, mean, I loved God. I would pray every day for my children and for my wife. You know, I had a good wife. And then all of a sudden one day, it seems like I lost everything. I mean, the devil came and he took all my possessions. He burned my fields up. Enemies came in, raiders. They killed my servants. Then whirlwinds came and, and knocked down a house where my children were and they died. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is, this is too much. And my wife gets on me and tells me to curse God. I mean, I, I don't know what, what she was thinking. And then it's like round two comes then I lose my health. And I've got these terrible boils and skin disease. I've got this incredible pain. And I lost everything. My health. I mean, my wife's not supporting me. I have no children anymore. Everything's gone. And I'm, I'm just suffering. I mean, it's, it's pain. It's, it's agony. It's terrible. And, you know, God showed me something. <clears throat> God showed me that He was going to be with me. In fact, He showed me something really amazing and I want to read it to you. This is what I said. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Little did Job know, (laughs) I'm reading what he wished had been written. That with an iron stylus and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last He will take His stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes will see and not another." You see, in my darkest, darkest time of need, I cried out to God and He showed me that He was my Redeemer. He would. Then I didn't even tell you guys I have these so-called friends, right? They come, they initially comfort me for the first seven days, then they start accusing me of sin. And so, we all believe that if, you know, you're suffering, that that was, you're wicked. And so, I thought, I started to think, well, maybe my friends are right, maybe I am wicked. But I knew in my mind, I hadn't done anything wrong, especially what they were saying. And these guys were just worthless. Comforters. And I wanted so badly to be vindicated by God. I mean, so badly. And you might be going through something where somebody's attacking you or, or you've been attacked. Let me just tell you, I put my trust in God. He is my vindicator, He is my redeemer. He is the one that came, He was my rescuer, He is my healer, He is my provider. In fact, the end of the story, as you probably remember, is He restored everything I own. He gave me children again. I think He gave me double of what I had in the beginning. And He healed my body. So I know that my Redeemer, my Vindicator, my Healer, my Savior lives. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in a very dark time, and it could be you need healing. It could be someone you know needs healing. Or there's just something dark. There's an attack from this devil against you. And you need help. Please, if I could encourage you with anything, don't give up. Don't give up. Because I know my Redeemer lives. Thanks, Job. We have another another person that wants to share testimony with you. Hello, my name is Isaiah. I had the privilege of seeing more of the Messiah than any prophet before me. I mean, God just graced me to see this coming King. And I had a revelation during a particularly difficult time. It was in Israel's history. And my brethren were really messing up. I mean, they were not obeying God. They fell away from his covenant, from his law. And God told me that he wanted me to go give them a message. And the message the message was one of judgment. I mean, they were seeking spiritualists, seeking you know, trying to communicate with the dead. They were going up on high hills and mountains and worshiping other gods. They were committing idolatry, they were committing sexual immorality. I mean they were stealing There was no justice. I mean, they were ripping people off left and right. They even offered their children in the fire in sacrifices. I mean, and it just broke my heart. And God showed me that I needed to tell Him that He was about to judge them. And He showed me that He was going to bring the Assyrians, raise up the Assyrian army, and bring them into Israel and put them to death by the sword, torture them, and just take them away to another land, and my heart was just breaking. I mean, this is terrible. Can you imagine having to, you know, share with your your close brethren what what the consequences of their sins going to be? And so, another thing God told me that was really hard on me is He told me we had a second child, and God told me to name this second child "Hasten to the Booty." And guys, that was kind of tough because every time we would call our child, we say, "Hey, hasten to the booty." Well, that would just remind me again that the Assyrians were to come and hasten to wipe out my brethren. So it, it, I mean, just it was sad, just even calling my child's name. I was really agonizing over the sin of my people, and God, God is just so wonderful and merciful that He gave me this spectacular revelation. I saw, this, I saw this land of Naphtali and Zebulun and the region of Galilee. I saw the Assyrian king come down and just wiping everything out, destroying everything, torturing, just wreaking havoc in the land. And it was just a land thrown into darkness. And I was thinking, oh God, no, no, no. But then I saw again the same land of Zebulun, Naphtali, and the region of Galilee, I saw there was this light there. And this light was shining and it was growing brighter and brighter. I'm like, that looks like a son has been given to us. That looks like a child has been born. And I saw saw the child. You're looking at him now in the manger. You're celebrating his birth. I saw him. I saw Him too. He was a bright light. All the darkness in that land. It was just illuminating. Just awesome wonder. And of course, as you know, the Messiah, this Christ child who was born, He's the one that grew up. He walked through the land of Zebulun, Naphtali, Galilee, And he did miracles. And he healed. And he cast out demons. And he preached the good news of kingdom. And the truth was going forth. And the light was shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And guys, it was the most awesome revelation I have ever had in my life. And you know, I saw his name too. Do you realize he was called the Prince of Peace? Mighty God? Everlasting Father? Father? Wonderful counselor, you know him by Jesus. But that's the name, those are the names he revealed himself to me. Oh, how the light can shine in the darkness. If I could encourage any of you, if you're going through difficult times or you may be perplexed or confused with things, um, I just encourage you to look to the truth of Jesus Christ because he is the light that shines in the darkness. Thank you, Isaiah. I have another woman. Uh, she's the most qualified of any of them to talk about the baby Jesus. Hi, my name is Mary. I am the mother of our Lord. And, you know, I can't, as I look back, I, I can't even comprehend this. I mean, You know, I nursed him. I changed his diapers. You know, we fed him. We played with him. We ran around with him. I mean, we taught him the Torah. We taught him the Scriptures. The guy memorized these things like nothing. It was just unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, man. (laughs) Talk about a photographic memory. But I just want to share how this whole thing went down. I mean, this was a crazy time. I'm a teenager, right? So there I am. And all of a sudden, this bright light shines. And this, this angel, this angelic being appears and says his name is Gabriel. And well, it's, it was like a, I mean, I was, I was afraid. I thought I was going to die. I mean, I, I was just overwhelmed physically. And I, I thought he was going to kill me. And he said, he said, Mary, Mary, don't be afraid. I have good, good news for you. He said, he said, glory to God in the highest. You said, you're going to have a child. Right? He's going to be a child of the Most High God. right? And you're going to name Him Jesus. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm going to call Him Jesus? I mean, he's, he's, my son's going to be the Most High? How can that be? I mean, I'm a teenager. You know, you're telling me this stuff? Are you kidding me? And so he tells me all this stuff and he tells me that I'm blessed and I'm most favored among women. Could you imagine that? And my circuits are like just going off the charts here. Well, after that happens, I tell this to Joseph and of course he marvels with me. But then uh, what happens was we were looking for a place to finally have this child and certainly it was going to be a special child from that visitation, and uh, so we're in the uh, we find a cave, and there's a feeding trough and so I have this I have the baby, and it was a beautiful baby, and we wrap it in swaddling clothes and I mean where, there was just the animal trough there to put the baby, so we put the the child in the animal trough, and all of a sudden these these men come running in, they were shepherds, and they said. They said that they had seen an angel. And this angel appeared to them, you know, glory to God in the highest, and peace to His people on earth, and talking about uh, a king was going to be coming to the city of David, and a Savior, Christ the Lord, was going to be born today. And so they're like looking at my baby like, Christ the Lord is going to be born today. They're looking at my baby. I mean, I'm holding my baby. They're looking and calling Him Christ the Lord. I'm like, this is really the Messiah. I mean, this is the this is the promised one that I'm looking at. I mean, again, I mean, what, what can you say? And and there's this, and then you know these Magi come from the east, you know, hundreds of miles away, and they bow down to my little child and worship him, and give him gifts. Who bows to a baby? I mean, this this. And then, if I back up, you know, my, my relative Elizabeth, she was in her sixties. She wasn't, she was too old to have a child. And then this angel appears to her husband, Zechariah, and tells him that his wife's going to have a child. He doesn't believe the angel. I'm glad I believe Gabriel. And God, God, the angel struck him dumb. <laughs> he couldn't speak anymore. And Elizabeth said that was probably a good thing. But I'm really glad I obeyed this, this angel. <laughs> So all these things, I mean, I'm sorry I'm getting this a little bit out of order, but as you can imagine, I mean, there's so many crazy things just going on in my life. Well, let me get back to the baby. So we we have the baby, we have the child, and of course we follow the law, and on the eighth day we took him into the temple to be circumcised. So we have the child circumcised. So then there's this guy named Simeon, right? So Simeon comes in and he says, could I hold the baby? And Joseph said, it's okay. So I handed, I handed Simeon the baby. So Simeon lifts the baby up to heaven and he says, Oh God, I can now depart in peace for my eyes have seen Your salvation. A light to the Gentiles and a revelation for those who are in Israel. And Simeon just... Said something like, This child will be destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your heart too. And I thought, What does he mean? A sword's going to pierce my heart. We well, he had no idea what that meant. But, I mean, it's just confirmation after confirmation. You could imagine, as a 14 year old girl, and an angel appears to you and says, You're going to have the coming one, you're going to need some
1: confirmation. Looks like, you know, what we're supposed to do as Christians, if you do that, you know, my thought was at the time, okay, well, God, you know, God will bless that and you'll have a, you know, nice, easy peasy life and, you know, kind of, you know, go on in that vein for a while. And so I thought if I was good, if I did enough on my own strength then, you know, the Lord would bless that and that it would be enough, that I would be enough. Um, So I would go every Sunday, kind of check off my boxes of, you know, was I being a good Christian? Was I being obedient to my parents and that sort of thing? And, um, you know, that continued on until I got to 14, 15 high school years. So going into my freshman year of high school and I really had these, um, expectations and these, these idols in my life and this desire to have that kind of successful, um, high school career, you know, get everything in line socially, be involved, do well academically. And my identity was really getting rooted in these different things because I thought those were the things that were important. I thought those were the things that mattered that would bring me fulfillment, that would bring me life. Um. And so, uh, that was my expectation going in, but then also around that same time, um, of about 14, 15, as I'm going into high school, I started to get really sick. Um, and so developed this, um, this issue. It took us a long time to diagnose, and then I ended up having a surgery about halfway through my freshman year of high school that went very poorly, and I developed an infection. And so, um, all that to say that this began a really long process of treatments, a long process of, um, really rough medical procedures and also uh, the falling away of everything that I thought was important in life, the falling away of everything that I thought mattered. So I couldn't go to school. I had to stay home from school. Um, I didn't see my friends. I couldn't be involved in anything. Um, Academically, things got difficult. um, And my family kind of, we turned in on ourselves a little bit. We stepped out of community um, and things just started to To fall one right after the other. Um, Everything that I thought was going to happen in life if I was good, everything that I thought was going to happen in life if I was enough, um, it all just fell apart. (laughs) And so, I got really depressed. I became um, very suicidal and uh, things medically just were not getting better. Um, The situation just continued to get worse. And so in the summer, in between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, um, we discovered while we were trying to solve this one issue, this one infection, that I had another medical issue that was going to require two surgeries. And the doctors were very, dismal about what was going to be on the outcome of that, what it was going to look like on the other side, if the surgeries were even going to work. Um, And so by that point too, we were totally separated from community. Everything I thought I knew about God and about Christianity and about who Jesus was, um, was, you know, my reality was contradicting everything that I thought I knew. Um, And I was hopeless and I was filled with shame. I was filled with regret. I was filled with pride. Um, I was filled with All of these just deep, dark feelings of just, I'm not enough, God doesn't care, where is he, you know, if he cared, I I always believed that he was real and that he existed, but I just didn't see where he cared anymore. It was really hard for me to find where he was in this, where Jesus was in this, Um, and so all that to say that by that point, I was just... I was just at the end of myself. Um, I was completely at the end of every dream, every hope, every desire, all my identity was just broken. Um, and at that point too, I felt like I was just being, you know, a burden to my family, um, a burden to the people around me. And so I just decided after that kind of double surgery thing came down the pipe that this is it. Like, I just need to end my life. Um, this is just what it needs to be. And so after my uh, family went to bed one night, um, That summer, I went into the kitchen and um, was just kind of contemplating, you know, um, ending my life and going about that. And as I was standing there, I became suddenly very aware that there, that there was someone else there. Um, it was not anyone in my family. You know, they were all in bed. Um, I became very, very aware that I was not alone in that kitchen, and I had never felt that before. Like, it was that kind of withness that kind of goes straight down into the core of you, um, even if you don't even know how to describe it, which I didn't at the time. But then I heard, um, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, I have more for you than this. Um, I have more for you than this. Will you take my hand? And he just began to show me these areas of pride in my heart, these areas of false identity, these idols I had set up for my whole life. He just began to show me all of these things and just ask, like, will you take my hand? Will you surrender? Like, will you repent? Will you come to me? Um, and so, you know, spoiler alert, obviously. Um, I did not end my life that night. Um, and, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> Woo, plot twist. Um, but, uh, you know, but like in that though, there was this invitation where Jesus revealed himself to me in such a deep way that I had never encountered before that moment. I had never experienced before that moment. Um, but it was so undeniably real. And even though I couldn't see anything tangibly, there was no, you know, flashes of light or loud booming voices. It was a very, you know, it was the still small voice, a very quiet Prompting of, will you take my hand? Um, will you repent? Will you come to me? I have more for you than this. Um, and so I was like, Whew, well, <laughs> like this goes against everything that, you know, I thought I knew was real. Um, it just, you know, it clicked in that moment that God did care, that He was there, that He was so intimately involved in everything that was happening, um, and that, yeah, that He had more. And so that night, I really, you know, like I said, I had believed up until that point that God was real, but I'd never received the salvation of the Lord. I'd never received Jesus into my life and really, you know, repented and surrendered and committed my life to him. And so I was like, okay, God, like, I don't know what's going to happen after this. Like, I don't know, you know, how things are going to go medically, emotionally, socially, you know, in life. I don't know. But like, if you're with me, like, I'll do it with you. Um, And so that night, you know, I really, you know, took his hand and gave my life to the Lord. And, um, you know, ever since then, that was in 2006. So, you know, for the past 13 years, it's just been such a transformation of seeing the fullness of god every day like learning and discovering like what it means to do life with jesus um and to do it for jesus and y'all like it's just like my life with him even though things yes are hard and things yes come come down the pipe that are you know unfortunate like my life with him is still infinitely more precious and amazing than my life ever was without him like he's so worth it um He's so good and he saved me in like every way that a person can be saved. He saved me physically and emotionally and spiritually, um, you know, and to see just what Growing in relationship with him, learning about the Holy Spirit, what all of that has done in the past 13 years, it's just, it still blows my mind. (laughs) Um, And it happened to me, you know, long ago. And so, um, so yeah, like medically, you know, things still happen. Um, You know, I've had 11 surgeries in those past 13 years and things in life happen to each one of us. Um, But God is so intimately present in every single one of your lives. He's so intimately passionate about everything that is you. Um, and He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to receive the gift that He has for us. He's. Re- yeah, praise God. You yeah, see the theme from Eve on? I mean,
0: one theme is that Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He tried to take Adam and Eve down. And really, I mean... It, It wasn't just Adam and Eve, it was the race of all mankind that he was trying to take out, right? Because Satan knew how holy God was, and he knew the punishment. He knew that if if they died without forgiveness, you know, God's perfect justice would have to punish them. But from the beginning, you know, none of this caught God by surprise. You know. It wasn't like when Eve took the forbidden fruit. It's like God's like Oh, I can't believe she did this. You know that's not what happened. How do I know? Because in Revelation 13:8 it says, "The Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world." Okay, so God already had all this planned out, mapped out. He didn't cause the evil, but He had the plan to redeem fallen man. Okay, so when I see Eve being rescued and Job being rescued. And Daniel and Isaiah and Mary and Anna and Simeon and Katie and John and Laura and I mean, that's God. That's that's just the power of God, through His Son, what His Son did, Jesus Christ. So, um, again, I just want to encourage you again with what Katie encouraged you that um, it's not easy during this time for some people. In fact, all of us. We'll constantly go through something until the day we fall asleep and go be with the Lord. Period. That's the normal, that's, that's the fallen world that we live in. There's no escaping that. But you know, I know <clears throat> for some people, if nothing's going on in your life, you're all happy and getting together with family and friends. And, and that's wonderful. That really is. But some people, a friend of mine who's uh, actually homeless, Lost everything, lost his job, lost his family. His wife turned his five kids against him, lost his house, uh, basically lost his car, basically lost his job. Um, You know, seven years after his wife left him, seven years later, he's still grieving tremendously in his heart at Christmas, at Thanksgiving. And you could say, well, you know, you just need to get over it. It's been seven years. Well, you know, maybe you can say that, maybe you can't say that, right? You know, because it's said about Jesus, a bruised reed He will not break. A smoldering wick He will not snuff out. So if Jesus is long-suffering to wait seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11. You know how many years God waited for uh, Jacob to be restored to Joseph? It was like half his lifetime. And God was patient, and God restored him at the very end. So, you know, I I just want to encourage you, when you see people that are going through things, you really have to be careful about saying, you should do this, and you should do that. You know, how do you know what they should do? I mean, (laughs) and, you you know, the best thing you should do, we should do, is what... Galatians says to carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ, right? That's the spirit of Christmas, is it not? Who carried our burdens? Christ carried our burdens to the cross, didn't he? Okay, so we have the opportunity these next couple days as you're out in the community, family and friends, let's carry people's burdens. Let's look for opportunities to minister. If you can share the reason for the season, with waitresses and waiters and cashiers, you know, go for it. This is a prime time to share these types of things, and let's let's be uh, let's just be, you know, paying attention to what the Holy Spirit, how He might lead and guide us, to show the love of this Christ child to a hurting world. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church.
1: We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia, at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at CornerstoneLynchburg.com, contact us by email, CornerstoneCom at Comcast.net, or call us at
0: 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.